How are we doing, man? So what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So welcome, everybody that's in here now. Welcome to New Freedom, everyone online. Welcome to Position of Neutrality at New Freedom. Is there anyone in here that's here at this group for the first time? Some of you? Good. All right. So, First of all, welcome, and second, let us warn you in advance, what we do here is a little different. Um, we're going to try and show you how to find your experience in this book, and I'm going to do that by showing you how I find my experience in the book. But if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that happen? So those of you online can't see, but they're raising their hand. In 12-step recovery, when we speak of a spiritual experience, we're not talking about something conceptual. We're speaking of a tangible sensory experience. You'll feel it. When you do, I'll know. And I will call it to your attention because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? The other thing I want to tell all of you who are members, um, you're welcome to bring your family to this meeting and also to the Recovery Church group on Saturday... Fellowship starts at 7, service starts at 7.30. Chaplain Lee leads a service um, on Saturday. And we always want members to know, in case you're not told, your families are welcome here, and they're also welcome to that, um, because we're trying to let them have a sense of what your reentry looks like and what have you, at least get to see you doing a little work on yourself. Yeah? Make sense? And the public comes in. Just understand, folks, these people are, are here, and they've, they've had a rough go up until the time they got here, and so they're healing, and, and we're helping, hoping that you'll welcome them home. Yeah? All right, so tonight we're going to encounter power because we're in step two. Step two suggests that we come to believe in power. How, would, how do you suppose we would come to believe in power? We would see evidence. See evidence? We'd probably experience some power, right? Yeah. Okay. So they're going to give us some precise instructions. Let's follow along and see what they discover. So we're in chapter 4, a chapter called We Agnostics. And they start out, they say, in the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. Have those of you who have looked at the preceding chapters prior to chapter 4 learned something of alcoholism? How many of you learned something of alcoholism from drinking? How many of you knew less about alcoholism until someone told you a little bit about the nature of the illness? How many of you doubted the illness? Thought it was a matter of weak will? How many of you are still in that class? It happens, I, I know, because people don't understand the allergy, they don't understand what the doctor described. So we're in step two, so we're going to encounter power and then we'll... We'll dice through the rest of it. So we hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. So what is the distinction they've made between an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic? There's one symptom we have in common. We may have many other things, but one symptom. What is it? Physical craving. Yeah, about that. It seems to be maybe the manifestation of an allergy. How many of you have been, been confused by the idea of an allergy? You ever heard the people in the rooms? I drink, I break out in handcuffs. <laughs> 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 
I know people say it, they don't mean to do harm, but we confuse. How many of you are drinkers? How many of you found that alcohol energized you? Yes. yes. It's a sedative. So that's an abnormal reaction to a sedative. So a medical person looking at that would say, my, that's peculiar. That may be the manifestation of an allergy, which is what he said. Yes. So do you relate to having a little bit of an abnormal reaction? Where's my opiate addicts? Do you find that stuff, put a little pep in your step? That's, that's an abnormal reaction to a powerful sedative as well. Okay. All right, so if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit, quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic, or either one of those true? If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. How many of you have concluded that? How many of you dread that? Both? Dread and conclude? I'm, I'm watching the hands, but I'm not sure. Okay. So they're going to talk to us a little bit more about who our demographic might be. To one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. Any of you think yourself atheist or agnostic or just don't have a firm belief, right? So does such an experience seem impossible? Kind of does, doesn't it? So we, we should acknowledge that. Our honest doubt and prejudice needs to be acknowledged. But to continue as he is means disaster. How many of you have concluded that? Not real happy about this program shit, but this is, I can't get dead quick enough. Anyone relate? Okay, so if that's where we are, especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, how many of you have concluded you may be an addict of the hopeless variety? Not your run-of-the-mill commonplace. Okay. You may have it a little worse than some others. Okay. So to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to faith. Sean's laughing. Do you get why he's laughing? Happy, joyous, and free. Alcoholic death. Pick one. How many of you have looked at that and gone, I need a few days to decide? So to continue as he is means disaster, but it's still not an easy alternative to face. Right? Okay, so we acknowledge that to a person because we don't know what the other one looks like. As bad as it is, where I am in my active addiction, I know what that looks like. I know how to do that. I don't know what a spiritual life looks like. Okay. But it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were exactly that type. So what type? Atheists or agnostics declared. And they told us who the original fellowship was. It was the first 100 men and women who recovered. So roughly 50 were atheists or agnostics, and the other 50 must have been what? Believers. Believers dying in alcoholism. So you see, we've got the demographics lined out. Are you one of those, atheist, agnostic, or having trouble with addiction at some point in your life? Yeah. Okay, then it's still the right room. How about that? <laughs> All right. So about half our original fellowship were exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. 
How many of you had the I'm not that bad yet thing going on? At least I'm not that bad yet. <laughs> They're harder to find after a while, aren't they? The ones we're not that bad yet. A lot harder to find after a while. Okay. All right, so after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you. See, they have no earnestness to convince you. Whose job is it to convince you? Alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, fentanyl. Much more powerful forces than us here in the room. We're not here to convince you. If you come here convinced and somewhat reasonable, then we can bear witness to you about what we found. I once thought and felt as you did. I doubt I made much progress had I not taken action. This is the steps I took. This is what I experienced as a result. Yeah? Okay. So our experience shows that you need... Cheer up, something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows you need not be disconcerted. Pick up on what they're promising you. Half of them thought there was no God or God could not be proven to exist. The others had a belief system they were still acting against. But to a person, they discovered that when they went through the process, their experience changed their mind. They had a profound experience. So... Pay attention to the experience you have in here tonight because this isn't an intellectual exercise. This is a spiritual exercise. At some point, you will feel the spirit in here tonight, and that won't be coming from here. That will be happening in you. But because I'm aware, we will prove the point. There is one who has all power. Right? Okay. So if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. So how many of you changed your philosophy? Got some new friends, new playmates, playgrounds. Find out there was a dope dealer on the new playground. <laughs> but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. How many of you desperately wanted to stop, could manifest no outwardly action to show that you did? Did you have people saying, if you cared about me, you'd stop? Yes. And you cared about them, and you couldn't stop. So do you relate to what they're saying? Desperate desire to stop, no outward action manifested. Okay? Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. So some of you went there, I felt you go to that hopeless place. That's what they're talking about. i got to get you there before we encounter the power that lifts you out of there. Okay? So, lack of power, that was our dilemma. Yes? We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Notice they didn't say, I had to find a power by which I could not pick up. Because contrary to popular belief in the fellowship, it takes no power to not do. It takes power to live when I'm dying of addiction. Yes? I'm going to need a power to live because the power in me that wants me dead is working overtime. Does that make sense? This isn't a power to not do. This is a power to do because power does. Okay? All right. Obviously, but where and how are we to find this power? Well, that would be the question, wouldn't it? How many of you have looked outside yourself? I'll do better as soon as I get a better job. Get rid of that damn wife. 
get the new house. How many of you have done that? Looked outside yourself. Okay, let's go to page 55, because I hate to leave addicts waiting. Especially meth addicts. You guys tear the furniture apart. Alcoholics probably just hit each other, but meth addicts, they'll be tearing shit apart. Um, So go to page 55. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. So notice what they said. Deep down inside is the fundamental idea, if you are man, woman, or child, or some combination thereof. Is everybody in that category? Some combination thereof? Where do your ideas come from? What's the main problem, the addict, the alcoholic? Sinners in the mind. So this is not your idea that's found within you. That's been falsely taught for years in fellowship. How many of you have discovered, how many of you have been blessed with a spiritual awakening as a result of steps and has endeavored to help others? How many of you found purpose in that? How many of you found purpose in the worst of your suffering when you were able to share that with somebody and help them get out of that suffering? So deep down inside, there's an idea called purpose. And immediately behind that is the power to carry that out. They're going to tell us that. How many, some of you are feeling that, right? Don't think I'm making it up. We're going to read it in the book, okay? All right. You can think I'm making it up if you want, but the reason I have the book is so you can check me. So I'm on page 55. It says, it may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it's there. What do they mean? My perspective has been flawed or changed in some way because of calamities. The way the world treated me, the way I responded, pomp. Any of you relate to that? When good things happen, I did it. When bad things happen, y'all did it. And then worships, right? I mean, our addictions were definitely worships, were they not? Okay. So those things have obscured my consciousness of my power and purpose. Can you agree with that? Because that's what they agreed with. Okay. So then it goes on to say, so for faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as a feeling we have for a friend. So how many of you have had a friend? One of you? So friend, how did that friend make you feel? Did that friend also have the power to enrage you? We're not saying that this power is a feeling. What we are saying is your awareness of the feeling is the power, which is why you'd want to improve consciousness. But if you've ever had a feeling for a friend, you know enough about this power to get started. Because we're going to wake you up. The goal of 12-step recovery is what? To wake up. Which is why we don't talk abstinence in program. Because that's a byproduct of waking up. Okay. Okay. So... Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there, capital H. So how, how am I going to find this power? The process starts to make sense. Well, here I am in step two. I'm having an encounter. 
I know what the problem is. I've got an obscured consciousness of power to live within me. And so, in another step, I'm going to make a prayer to go inward and identify the calamities, pomps, and worships so that I'm properly armed with the facts about myself so that I can bear witness to others, avert suffering for them, and gain freedom for me in the spirit. That makes sense? It all starts to make sense, doesn't it? A lot more sense than, you can just pick anything you want, a doorknob or a light bulb. <laughs> Don't believe that guy. Barney is an ass. Okay. Precise instructions. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. So they're just witnessing to you, regardless of their belief, their experience changed their mind. They came to believe in power. Then they walked in power, and eventually they were informed enough to tell you who that power was. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to go back now to 45, because now we've taken the edge off. You won't take the furniture apart. So, well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable, enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Notice how they indicated that the power you're going to find is in you. This isn't the power I found that i got to give you. The power you're going to find, where are you going to look? Inside you. You're not going to look in a room. You're not going to look to me. You're going to look in you because the answers for you are in you. Does it make sense? We will support you in your search. How are we going to find it? Sometimes we're going to have to search fearlessly within, and we'll walk with you through that search. We will. Okay? Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. That means we've written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. Yes? And it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. So the minute we say God, some people say, you're talking about God too much. No, we're talking about power. So for anyone that's in that space, we're all going to be nice to them. And when I say God, you're going to say power, because we are power seekers. Okay, let's... That means that we're going to talk about God. Perfect. See how easy that is? Now you've got to do that all night. Here difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. This is our fellowship. What I'm reading from is our program. Don't get it twisted. Don't don't misinform. People think sitting in that chair is in the program. If you're not in these pages, you're not in the program. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery, not here are the meetings we attended. I'm not anti-meeting, I'm anti-deception. Does that make sense? Okay, but his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. Thank you, you're so good. What a great group. That plays well online, too, by the way. For we very open to a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. How many of you have done that? Had a certain kind of a belief, but you thought, eh, he didn't see it. It'll be all right. If I can live with it, he can. Any of you think it was a secret? How many of you were behaving really bad and thought it was a secret? There are no secrets in the realm of the spirit. 
which is why you feel conviction even when no one knows. Anyway, so we know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. So if you're new, your only job for your own benefit is instead of being mad at someone showing you this, share your honest doubt and prejudice. We can't help you if you don't. If you'll speak to us your doubt and prejudice, we'll speak to you in power. Yes? Some of us have been violently anti-religious. Any of you? Where'd the violence emanate from? Deep down inside? How many of you felt it welling up in you? The minute you hear the words, it wells up in you. Huh, that's where power's found. Um, To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him which which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. How many of you had that? Whatever God they spoke to you about as a child didn't seem relevant to what was happening in your life. With that rejection, we imagine we had abandoned the God idea entirely. Very good. Want to try it again? We imagine we had abandoned the God idea we imagine we'd abandon the power idea entirely. It sounds ridiculous on its face, right? We are power seekers by nature. So when we use God and power interchangeably, what do we learn? We do believe in power. And we do believe in power to live. In fact, we wish we could find some, don't we? And they're telling us where the well is. Okay, so... We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. How many of you have been bothered with that thought? How many of you have had lots of experience of grace, been helped along many times through situations you couldn't have possibly thought your way out of, but then thought, eh, I'm not going to ask him this time, I got this. That's silly. We look upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? There's a question mark. Have you ever had that thought or something similar? What did you conclude? Or did you just dismiss it? Sometimes we just dismiss it. Sometimes we chew on it. Okay, and who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Have you ever had that thought? The supreme being. (laughs) Sean has concluded that a supreme being could indeed comprehend a supreme being. I don't know, not being one, if that's true, but it seems logical. Um, I want to go to yet another moment we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? How many of you have had that happen? Out, out in nature, you see something, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. They describe it as a feeling of awe and wonder. Yeah. you relate to them? Yeah. But it was fleeting and soon lost. It's real important that you get this. How many of you have been in a dangerous situation in your life? Look who I'm talking to. So all of you have been in a dangerous situation in your life, a wreck, a gunfight. A, did you notice in the middle of it, time seemed to slow down? Yeah. When that happened, you experienced your consciousness. 
How many of you have done something athletic? Perfect throw, perfect catch, perfect dive, perfect shot. Notice how there was really no thought or effort on your part. You were practiced, you knew, you, you saw whatever it was happening before it happened. When that happened, you experienced your intuitive self. So these are all the names of this power. These are all the reasons you would want to improve consciousness. Did everyone that cared to have one of those experiences? So that we know that this experience is tangible and real and why they would seek to improve consciousness. Yes? Okay. So then it, then it says, yes, we have agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. If you took the time to have it, you've now had your encounter. Does it make sense? So we're not talking about... Meeting makers make it. We're not talking about doorknobs, door light bulbs. We're saying the creator of all dwells in you, and you know him by his spirit, and you'll be known by his spirit through you. That's how we found you. Yep? Okay. So let us make haste to reassure you we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power which is God. That power which is power. And so why do we come to believe in power? Because people don't struggle with power and because of its sensory nature. And we call it God because of the sensory nature so that you'll know we're talking about the same thing. Does that make sense? And if lack of power is my dilemma, and your solution for me is God, I'm like, stand back. But if lack of power is my dilemma, and your solution for me is power from within to live, I want it. Yes? Okay. Good, we're at a good point. We're moving in the right direction. So, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Why not? God is not a conception, and to Sean's point, their conception isn't in me, but the power is. Make sense? So our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. So whatever conception you have, we can start with that. We're not going to stay with that, because you're going to grow in the experience what improved consciousness is, awareness of being aware. I'm going to improve my awareness of being aware of that presence in and on my life. And if you're not aware of how aware I am of that presence in and on my life, I will tell you that what you're sitting in is that presence on Joe Geppetta in my life because we are not qualified by education or qualification in any worldly way for what you all are sitting in. We are qualified by identity alone. Um, our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So that's a promise and a condition. What was the promise? They began to be possessed, although flowing through me, it is not of me of a new sense of power and direction provided they took other simple steps. So the condition is to take other simple steps. What do you imagine those are? Well, we're in two, perhaps three through 12. Notice how you got a new sense of direction all of a sudden right there. 
right? Okay. All right. So we found that God does not take, make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirits broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. Now, on its face, a conception of power means more than a conception, doesn't it? Because I have experienced power, so even my conception of power means the lights come on. I get a shock. The temperature changes in the room. Does that make sense? This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may find against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. So the old-timers would get out a dictionary, and they'd say, read the book. If you find a word that disturbs you, look it up in the dictionary. Find a definition that does not disturb you. Do not change the book, change your mind. Because they agreed on every word. And the reason we do this this way and have done it for all the years we've done it is so that you understand back in 1939 until 1955, they achieved a 65% efficacy. In behavioral health, how many of you are in behavioral health or know something about me? We're well less than 10, probably less than 5. With all the advances in medical science. So what happened? We, We deceived about their testimony. We took the power out. We came up with Barney's suggestion. Barney, if you're in here, sorry. That's just a name that's not often here. One day I kept doing that, Barney came to me. I'm Barney. I'm sorry, man. Not personal. I haven't known that many Barneys, you know, Um, except the purple guy. Um, Anyway, so at the start, this is all we needed to commence spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. So conscious awareness of being aware. They're talking about an improved consciousness. We're going to be in relationship, aware of that relationship. And when they say God as we understood him, we're not we, they're we. So they're going to tell you about the sensory experiences they had, right? Bill Wilson had that revelatory experience with Ebby. And then he says, at long last I saw the miracle of Ebby sitting sober across the table. I felt, he felt the spirit... And then I believed. And that's the expectation. And anyone told you less has cheated you. So we're going to help you. Okay? Okay. So, so afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth. But if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. God meets you where you are. He will send somebody to you who can meet you there. And then we'll walk together to freedom. Fair enough? So we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself? Now sometimes I get animated at this point. I would suggest to you that you go to a quiet place all by yourself, look in the mirror, and ask yourself this question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe in a power greater than myself? And if your honest answer is no, I suggest to you you're wasting valuable high time. Because if you don't believe methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin is a power greater than you, what are you doing here? 
This ain't a club any of us wanted to join. It's not. It was not on my Big Ten. wasn't on the bucket list. But when we find ourselves here and we find ourselves in fellowship with the Spirit and with others in the Spirit and we find purpose in our lives, then, then we remain. But don't get it twisted. If you don't believe there's a power greater than you, you're in the wrong chair. Okay? So ask yourself. Get honest, right? All right. So as soon as a man can say he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. How could they be so emphatic? It's the promise of God. It is going to happen. If you will acknowledge me, I will acknowledge you before the Father. Just that simple. And that's never changed. Some of you are feeling that. Some of you read that other book too. Sorry if you're offended by that other book. I read it. Um, It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. That was great news to us. We had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believed. How many of you have had that experience? So what I want to tell you here tonight is if you could hear it, if you could feel it, if you were attracted to it, even if you didn't understand it, you already have it. And our job is just to wake you up. Okay? You don't need to look for it outside. You don't need to go find somebody else. All you got to do is recognize it, tell us you want to know more, and we'll help you wake up. Okay? All right, so... I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him, so it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. So what's the simpler level? I'm willing to believe. I'm willing to believe I'm sick, and I'm willing to believe that this process you described could reveal a power in me that could solve my problem. I'm at least willing to believe that you believe. I had a guy at the homeless shelter one time sitting there with Sean, and he says, I'm not going to believe in God, but I do believe Joe believes in God. I'll take Joe's God. Yep. I said, that'll be enough. Come on. <laughs> True. True. Walk with me a minute. You'll come to believe. Yeah. Okay. All right. So being a seamless, and when I tell you I was at the homeless shelter, I wasn't there as an observer. <laughs> Just in case anyone doesn't know the entire history. Um, all right, so being a seeming, seeming inability, besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. That ever happened to you? I used to hear that a lot in meetings. I'm sensitive because I'm alcoholic. Have you ever heard that? It's just a misreading the book. I'm not sensitive because I'm alcoholic, but because I'm alcoholic, my sensitivity's killing me. If I don't improve consciousness of who, who I am and whose I am, my sensitivity is going to need to be medicated and I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. So that would be a handicap to remain sensitive, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean I can't be tender, I can't be empathetic, but I need to improve my consciousness so I know that I am not the experience I'm having. I'm just having the experience. And then I'm a proper witness, yes? Okay. Many of us have been so touchy that even a casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. 
Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Notice how they tied feelings and thoughts together. I mean, have you, have you ever had a thought that was disturbing, but you clung to it a little too long, and all of a sudden it had a full body expression? Yeah. Now you're in the loop. Started with an obsession, then it became a craving within you. Right? I crave some thing I want, and I obsess about how I think it'll make me feel. So you see, it's a human condition. Alcohol was just a symptom. Drugs was a symptom. Sex was a symptom. All the things. Yes? Okay. So faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. Yeah. <laughs> it finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. How many of you... These guys are masters of understatement. Sean always laughs at the right moment. But think about it. How many of you in the middle of your addiction? Can you go back there? Yeah. Like, get, like when you're just doing it again because you have to. Right. Don't even want to. Right. Have to. It's a tedious process, isn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't use that word tedious, but I love it. <laughs> I, I would add something far more colorful than that. Yeah. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. I hope we address that. The reason you want to believe in a power greater than you is, is if you don't, there's nothing we can do. If you don't believe that the alcohol, the drugs, the bad behavior, whatever you chased into our fellowships, if you don't believe that's a power greater than you, then straighten up and fly right. Go out and shoot heroin like a gentleman. <laughs> Socially. We think there are good reasons. Let's have a look at some of them. Yeah. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Is that you? Are you a practical individual of today? Show me, don't tell me. Yeah. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they're firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? Why do we believe in electricity? I, I okay. If I turn on the lights, they come on. Someone has told me that had something to do with electrical theory and, and whether or not I paid the utility company. Yes? Because sometimes they don't come on because you haven't paid the utility company. The thermostat works, the room temperature changes, and most of us have been shocked, either intentionally or not. Some of us have been shocked by a device because... Someone in law enforcement was being overzealous. <laughs> but we believe in electricity even yeah. though we can't fully define or comprehend electrical theory because we've experienced its effects. Is that true? To a person. They don't expect us to come to believe in anything we don't experience the effects of. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. They went to great lengths to get us there so that we realize we're not talking to you about concepts, man. We're about to talk to you about power. All right, so we have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everyone believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? Simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. However, everybody nowadays 
believes in scores of assumptions for which there's good evidence, but no perfect visual proof, and does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? So this is truer today than it was then, right? You can't even believe what you see with your eyes today because it's so easy to manipulate an image. Back then it was a little more difficult. Okay. All right, so the material world, um, it is being constantly revealed that as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. So what I see is not necessarily the inward reality that I know based on scientific knowledge, yes? And they're going to give us an example of how we know that, right? So the prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. So a prosaic just means of prose, unimaginative. We see it every day. There's a steel girder somewhere above me, and we would see it, and what we would see is a steel member supporting weight, supposedly, right? We presume. But what we really know it to be is a swirling mass of electrons whirling around at incredible speed. And I would point out to you that you... Similarly, are a swirling mass of electrons whirling around at incredible speed. But you see yourself as separate from your fellows, and you see yourself as not that swirling mass. Yes? Okay. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. What are the precise laws that these tiny bodies... Physical laws, right? Action, reaction, right? You're made up of the same thing, action, reaction. How many of you have encountered the power to be kinder than you feel like? Is that not a power greater than you operating through you? Did that not lift you above natural law? Did we not tell you that you were special? We're trying to tell you, I'm telling you who you are and whose you are. And how you know is you've been raised above natural law. Because at the cellular level, you are action-reaction. But if you have the power to be kinder than you feel like being, to love the unlovely, to tolerate the intolerable, then you've gained access to power greater than you. Got it? Okay. So we have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there's an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Where's my power, people? That's such an important sentence to think about how ridiculous. This universe needs no power to explain it? Ridiculous on its face, isn't it? We call the power God so we can agree on the sensory nature of the experience we share. It's a signpost pointing to an experience. God will let you know his name. Come to believe in power. Okay? All right. So, were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. A lot of us don't like that description. How many of you would have to admit that Sometimes in incarceration, in active addiction, it felt like that. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation. Very good. Thank you. That was good. I try and slow down. I went really fast. It's hard for you to keep up. We agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. Rather vain of us, wasn't it? 
So they concluded rather vain, but not all, we read over it and we don't think about why they said that. You understand when they say alpha and omega, they mean the beginning and the end. So how many of you were around to help in the decision of bringing your existence into this realm? Did you consult your parents on your arrival? So alpha's out. You were not brought into the decision. How many of you watched a lot of your counterparts die out there in addiction? How many of you, how many of you wished for your own death from time to time? How many of you tried to activate your own death? How many of you are still here? Apparently we don't know much about the Omega either. How many of you can't remember a decade or two? So you don't, know, you don't know nothing about the beginning or the end and a big chunk of the middle. So now we're with them. Rather vain of us, wasn't it? Does it make sense? Okay. All right. So we who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice. So now that we're, we're right there with them, now I need to know more about this process of laying aside prejudice. Yes? Even against organized religion. I know that gets some people's... Nickerson and not, even believers get twisty about organized religion. We have learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have sought ourselves. How many of you have had a transformation of sorts and know exactly what they're talking about? I made fun of it, I ignored it, and then one day I needed it, and then I received it, and now I'm on the, now I'm on the taxi squad. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. Instead, we looked at the human defects of, of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. How many of you bounced out of recovery because you met people that weren't polite? Any of you do that? When you bounced back in, were they still there? Did your addiction let you go because they were mistreating you? How about church? How many of you quit going to church one time? And Anybody? had a church family, and it found it hard to go back. So sometimes we'll condemn the whole thing rather than, right, because my sensitivity got in the way. That's all they're talking about. Okay, so we talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. See, the thing is, the whole world has no power except to reveal to me how I'm thinking and feeling. So when I see in you what I perceive as your judgment or your mistreatment of me, I'm really only seeing my thoughts. So I don't ever know your intent, I only know the effect, and, and I don't know whether the effect's coming from you or from my thoughts about what I think you did. So if I don't at least get... Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to have to learn to discipline the thinker, or we're going to suffer. Yeah? Okay. So we talked of intolerant while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. In our personal stories, you'll find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. 
Experience has taught us that these are matters about which for our purpose we need not be worried. They are questions for each individual to settle for himself. That's why we're not going to get into theological discussions. We're going to talk about experiences of power. We're going to talk about love and service. We're going to talk about moving together in one unified spirit. And we'll let God inform how God informs. Yeah? Okay. So on one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. So first 100, the book is called Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered. So the first 100 and all those people they worked with when they concluded with this book, they're saying these men and women, hundreds, maybe thousands, are strikingly agreed. They agreed on every word. They agreed on the precise experience. They had a shared experience. Does that make sense? The power of testimony. Why do we focus on the book? We're not trying to be anal. We're just, the power of testimony is real. It translates from 80, 90 years ago to this present moment we'll feel them. And they told us that in a vision for you. Surely you'll meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. And we do, because we find them and we share their spirit with them. Yes? Okay. All right. So it says on one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. Every one of them, how many? Every one of them has gained access to and believes in. Notice what came first. We sometimes tell people to believe first. No one comes to the Father except those he empowers. Gain access to and believe in. Sorry about the biblical quotes, but I got to throw them out for Chap Lee. He'll, get, he'll spank me if I don't. Not only that, it should be biblically correct if you're going to teach AA right. Um, okay. So, gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself. This power has, in each case, accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. As a celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. So now they're going to talk about their population. They're going to highlight it for you. Think about this when they admitted atheists or agnostics, half of them. So we can assume that same half emanated through from the first 100 to the first several thousand, correct? Just like in our modern rooms, we... We have that kind of a filtering. Okay. So they flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, so what did they do first? They gained access to, and they've come to believe in. To take a certain attitude toward that power, what's the attitude we take toward the power? It's going to be the, the guide. Yeah. Right? Pretty soon we'll say a prayer. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to your love, your power, your way of life. Right? So source is, I'm going to give credit to source. Yes? Certain attitude. It ain't me. Takes a big burden off me when I know I'm not doing any of this. Um, Come to believe in a power greater than themselves to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things. What do you imagine those are? Probably want to do the steps and just keep showing others. Right? Okay, um, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. How many of you have experienced a revolution in the way you lived and thought? How many of you still could use a revolution, like, revolution from time to time, right? Okay, so, so in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. 
Guys, you got to get this. We can't cheat people and tell them believe in anything you want. That's just silly. This isn't theology. This is the, the collective experience of a bunch of drunks. Some of them believers, some not, who desperately needed access to power. And in their desperation, the power met them where they were, and they told of that experience. And when they told of that experience, they experienced still more power. And more people got well. And we went from 100 to millions worldwide. But because they declared the power and not some human effort. Does it make sense? Okay. So this happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives... They present a powerful reason why one should have faith. Half of them were atheists or agnostics. The mind was changed because of the experience. And they stand there and flatly declare that since they have gained access to and come to believe in, there's been a revolution in the way they live and think. And it's evident of you all sitting here. Because we would be in a collective train wreck if that weren't so. Because I know some of y'all. I, I, I met you out there. Um, this, especially you, Kitty. You stay in your chair. <laughs> or close, whatever. This world of ours made more material progress in the last century than in all the millenniums which have went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history tell us the intellect of men of those days was equal to the best of today, yet in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research, and invention was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought a round earth preposterous. Others came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. You know his astronomical heresies? Yep. He, he spoke of a sun-centered universe instead of an earth-centered universe, and they were going to kill him for it. Guess what? That would have been a faux pas. <laughs> we ask ourselves this. Are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material. So the spirit of modern scientific inquiry has infiltrated us to a point where we find things of the spirit ridiculous, yet people in the spirit knew physical truths. Yes? So maybe we should balance our pursuit of the spirit of scientific inquiry with other matters of the spirit in order to liberate ourselves from ourselves. Right? Okay. So even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to print an account of the Wright brothers first successful at Kitty Hawk. Guys, remember, that seems like ancient history, huh? (laughs) Had not all efforts at flight failed before? Did not Professor Langley's flying machine go to the bottom of the Potomac River? 
Was it not true that the best mathematical minds had proved that man could never fly? It's hard for us to imagine there was a time when they thought that way, but there was a time when they thought that way. None of us in here lived then, but we've read about it, but we just distance ourselves from it. But they really thought that way. So had not people said God had reserved this privilege? Yeah, very good. <laughs> for the, I went too fast again. I'm the one that's failing, aren't I, Lance? Only 30 years later, the conquest of the air was almost an old story, and airplane travel was in full swing. So 30 years later, and now 80, 90 years later, obviously we're far more advanced, and we know all that was silly. Yes? Okay. But in most fields, our generation has witnessed a complete liberation of our thinking. Show any longshoreman a Sunday supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket, and he'll say, I bet they do it. Maybe not so long either. Is not our age characterized by the ease with which we discard old ideas for new? More so in the technical age, right? Okay. Um, for by, by the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget which does not work for a new one which does. And so you look at modern telecommunications, we look at all the things that we know now as are commonplace, and some of you that are as old as I, Remember when there was one phone in the house and you dialed it? <laughs> and you might have three neighbors on it. Yeah. And, and on Star Trek, when it first came out, you would have these teleporters, and now we call them cell phones. <laughs> well, you can cross international lines with them without being seen. Yep. They are teleporters. And they also suck us in, and we don't know the people around us because we're too busy texting somebody across the room or across the country. But, I mean, just another observation. So, or maybe we take a selfie of ourselves being selfless. We had to first ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. Anyone relate to that? Couldn't control our emotional natures. Pray to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. Had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. Couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Relate to that? That is my human condition. That's why I need a power to live. That's why I had to medicate. See, they never tried to solve that problem by not drinking. They took away my solution when they told me it wasn't safe for me to drink. And they pointed me in the direction of a power to live, which would solve my problem. Make sense? So that when you cop to, and one, I admitted I was powerless over alcohol, dash, that my life had become unmanageable, an act of faith, because you hadn't read this yet, this was step two. You took an act of faith and said, yes, my life has become unmanageable, you just didn't know why. But that little act of faith brought about your encounter. Does that make sense? Well, I think we're about at uh, an hour. So next week we'll look at a decision. Thanks much.